0: Will you please pray with me? God, we thank you that you have invited us and compelled us. We find you irresistible, and here we are, coming together in community to worship you. We pray that our hearts and minds would be open to your spirit, that we would hear the message and the word that we need to hear this morning because we've been praying for it, and that we will have a sense of your presence as we abide in you. And we thank you and pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. We were visiting my in-laws in Phoenix a few months after my second child was born, Matthew. My husband and I were so excited because it was our anniversary, and we, as we often As kids often do when they first have their children, we were going to go out for our first time after Matt had been born because we were with grandparents. So I bought a special dress and indulged in a beautiful, beautiful pair of red shoes. In the middle of the night, I heard one of the kids fussing. And so I got up to check on them. And not wanting to disturb them, I didn't turn the light on. And I caught my pinky toe on on a chair and heard a snap. When uh, my husband came in to check, I had just, it, everything had gone dark for just a moment. And I was sitting on the floor and my pinky toe was at like a right angle. And he leaned over and said, I think it's broken. And I said, Really? Really? You think it's broken? As you're so nice when those things happen, you know. Needless to say, I couldn't get in my foot into that beautiful red shoe. And that's what I remember most about it. I never thought too much about the pinky toe, if you want to know the truth. It always had just been there, kind of bookending the, the uh, row of bigger toes, like a faithful caboose or a pint-sized centurion. But that night, every part of my body was intensely focused on that small digit. The whole body went into crisis mode, and threw everything it had at this intrusion. There was a severe pain to alert, shock to slow everything down, and water rushing towards it to try and cleanse it or get rid of whatever was happening to it, soften the blow. You know, the psalmist writes this of his origins. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made." The human body has 206 bones, 639 muscles, of which I know only of 10, about six pounds of skin, along with ligaments, cartilage, veins, arteries, blood, fat, and more. And every time we hear a sound, and every time we take a breath, And every time we take a step, hundreds of different parts work together so that what we experience is a single movement. Our minds and bodies working together as a unit. And even the greatest engineers across all time struggle to achieve anything like it in mechanical form. The human body represents one of the most complex systems in existence and that's why the human body is one of the most powerful images for the church offered in Scripture the metaphor conveys both complexity and organic unity today is the first Sunday in a series called every member in ministry you'll be hearing and reading a lot about that particular phrase It's certainly not original to us here at SMCC. A lot of places have used it, and it's as ancient as the beginnings of humanity. The fact is, we need each other. We need every single one of us loving each other and working together and building and creating and nurturing the world. Listen now to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, Greeks meaning any Gentile, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. The word of the Lord. The body is fearfully and wonderfully made, and we belong to the body. We come to the waters of baptism as individuals. Did you ever think of that? We come as individuals, independent and relatively self-contained. We come away from the water changed. Our identity is no longer solitary. We can no longer truly be known without reference to the community into which we have been engrafted, the body of Christ, the church. And that's the language that's used, engrafted. You don't join the church. You're engrafted into the body of church. That's the language of our tradition. After baptism, we are more than just ourselves. We are, by definition, beings in relationship to one another. Where the Spirit of God once moved over the face of the deep and brought life to the world... The Spirit of God remains the source of the life and the breath of the church moving among us and within us. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made. One of our human needs is to belong. We need to belong. We want to have a place in the earth. We want to have some significance And some of our most significant literature and poetry and music and films speak to this. Everything from the children's story, Charlotte's Web, The Giver, The Book of Thieves, Catcher in the Rye, John Dunn's No Man is an Island. God speaks to this need, this basic human need. God speaks to this in our sacraments. You see, belonging is the gift of baptism, the gift of the Spirit. And yet there is a tension here. Some people want to belong without belonging. They are are the ones whose obituaries read, Sam was a lifelong member of San Marino Community Church, except that no one at San Marino Community Church can ever remember meeting him. Although maybe 93-year-old Mrs. Smith thinks that maybe Sam was once in a wedding she attended. And there's an entry for him in the baptism register, but after that, really nothing. As far as 1 Corinthians is concerned, there is no such thing as belonging without participating. Participation makes you belong. Belong. We recently heard of parents and young people conspiring to get into colleges without participating in the character building or athletic disciplines desired by those colleges. They faked it. They missed the whole point of going to college and felt they could shortchange the process. But the most damage was done to themselves and certainly to their future. Belonging without participation nullifies the nature of the body. It's like being paralyzed. A body does not work when one part checks out for a few years. Not only will its function be unfulfilled, but the rest of the body will be thrown out of balance. Even breaking a pinky toe will make you feel unsteady on your feet. Belonging is not a one sided affair. We are given the gift of belonging at baptism. But we are also signing up for the responsibility of functioning as part of the body of Christ. We make covenant vows at baptism. Vows are made on our behalf at baptism. The whole church, all the members of the body say, we will surround you and help you and nurture you and guide you. Every member of the church is given gifts to be exercised for the common good. One of the tasks of the community is to discern these gifts and to provide ways in which they can be used. Hence, all the programs that we have. Hence, all of the things that I described for you this morning are all of those just things that we want to accomplish they're great, they're wonderful, they're worthy things, but it's not about that. It's about you living out your ministry, you living out what God has called you to do, becoming the body of Christ. And I think the only thing that keeps every single one of our members from serving Christ, the only thing, in the church or serving in the community or in your neighborhood, or when you're on the golf course, or at the supermarket, or a city club, or wherever you are. The only thing that keeps you from ministry is a lack of imagination and creativity, a seeing of the possibilities. What is possible in this place? What is possible for me at this time? You know, within the body, you know there are opportunities, and the scriptures list them, but there are opportunities to teach and lead and sing and pray. There are opportunities to visit the sick, to help visitors feel welcome, to extend hospitality, provide meals for the homeless, bring food in a grocery bag for the hungry, invite other members to form a small group. That will grow and bond together, create a new ministry for a new population. There are opportunities to make friends and shake hands and listen and share and love. And then, on top of that, you're surrounded every day with opportunities in the community that you live in, your neighborhood, your schools, your clubs. Our text suggests today that every single person in the church matters. The housebound elderly can still pray and write letters. The babies inspire us, give us a place in which we can hold new life. Those with disabilities teach us. They remind us. They help us. And every single person in the church matters, these as well as the generous givers and the hard workers. This is a reality that we can name, which has less to do with equality and more to do with wholeness. It it reminds me of Jesus with Zacchaeus, and Jesus with the woman at the well, and Jesus with the, the person sitting at the gate. All of these people who were considered the less the, the frail ones, the, the lesser ones, who are considered the marginalized ones. These are the people Jesus spoke to. You're important. So that says that I'm important. That says that you're important. We each need each other. Verse 26 reads, If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored all rejoice together with it. We know this is true because our hearts and prayers were were sunk so low with the stories of Sri Lanka, the stories of Coptic Christians in Egypt, the temple that was attacked in San Diego, the mosque that was attacked in Escondido and further away and closer by. Our hearts shrink and shriek For others, because we are bound so intimately together. These verses are talking about more than making casseroles for someone in need. Or throwing a party for someone celebrating. Although I must say, those are both very, very good things. But it's more than that. It's the intent, it's the spirit that's moving inside of us. It's about being a community that shares its life together. Many of us rarely experience this kind of community. Too many of our relationships are functional, existing in order to do or to achieve something. But our relationships in Christ in a sense, have no purpose beyond themselves. They exist as the visible expression of the love of God. Why do we come together and sing and pray? Because we love God? Why do we come together and bring bags of groceries because we love God? As part of the body, we share each other's lives. A love that simply takes delight in the presence of the beloved. In good times and in bad. As we do, we become the tangible expression of God's care. Which means that everybody who looks at us, everybody who has a passing acquaintance with us, are getting a good taste of God by our actions and by our spirit. We know God loves us when we are held in the community of love. Yesterday, we had a remarkable experience, some of us. When we came together for Habitat for Humanity, and some of you are sitting out here now, there were about 17 of us who took the uh, challenge and showed up at a, a site just a few miles from here off of Orange Grove and Fair Oaks, at a a site that was hosting two buildings, two homes going up. And the families were there of those people whose homes were going up, and 17 of us. And as we arrived there, we prayed together, and then the site managers had projects for each and every single one of us. None of us were so inexperienced and so unskilled that we couldn't be put to work, and meaningful work. Our work today had everything to do with those who showed up on Monday being able to do their work for Monday. And I used a circular saw. I did. And Cindy Metcalf and I built a table. And Susan Sabo and, and and Susan Stark and Oliver were out there hammering, carrying loads of wood, raking i mean it was phenomenal you'll see the pictures on facebook we were all doing we were working as one member you at that site and it was so wonderful and it was so joyous it and it reminded us that none of us were in when my kids see me using a circular saw i i said they're going to have to have oxygen because i'm not even allowed to use a knife at their house because I have a tendency to cut myself every time I use one. So when they see me with a circular saw, after they're reoxygenated, I'm going to say, well, that's because we were members of a body and I didn't want to cut the rest of the body. But oh my goodness, the experiences we had, because none of us were seen as too clumsy, too frail, too inexperienced, we were all seen as valuable members of that work team. Cindy and Brian Metcalf, and Susan and Oliver Stark, and Michelle and Tom Carter, Robert and Janet Louie, Carolyn Howell, Diana Davis, Susan Sable, me, and a few others. Wow. This is a vision of the church. Not a building, but a body of people caring for one another caring for strangers, and those strangers inviting us to help them build their home, sharing the work of God in the world. But in case this passage be heard as placing yet another burden on already overburdened people of faith, it's always important to remind yourself that this is all is made possible by the gift of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who works in and through each of us That spirit is what compelled us to be at that work site at 745 on Saturday. That spirit is what compels you to do whatever it is that you're doing to serve the sake of Christ in in whatever place you're doing it. It's that spirit. And all of us who are part of the body belonging to Christ depend not on ourselves but on the spirit who is life. Friends, we praise God for we as the body of Christ are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen.